Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Podcast. That's James the Brain. Uh, guys, guys, what what do I do? My 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 NFL team, the Browns, they won a game. What what do I do? Yay, James! What what do I do with my hands? <laughs> you don't know how to clap, do you? People What's in it? Cleveland don't know how to clap. You, you slap I don't your have hands to clap. together. <laughs> oh. oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's, man. it's with a with a open open hand, not a closed fist this time. <laughs> oh, 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 that's better. Okay, <laughs> I got it. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's Travis the Beard. Hey guys, which bees produce milk? The boobies. <laughs> yep, you know you know how to get my attention. Those, like, that one was just for you, John. Slightly dirty dad jokes. That's <laughs> I am John. Unlock the coolers, Hogue, and this is the Super Flex Super Show, and it's a celebratory second episode of the week because James and all of your fellow Browns fans get to say something we haven't heard in over. 20 months. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? A 21 to 17 win. Who let the dogs out? Baker, money, Mason. It's all emotional. I'm too excited. Baker, money, Mason. That's right, baby. Browns win, Browns win. All is right in the world, and nothing else matters. But let's break down these week three matchups anyways, starting with the early Sunday games, starting with Saints-Falcons, and starting with the brain mid-victory lap. All right, guys. So the coolers have been opened. I'm ready to roll here. We got the Saints and the Falcons in hey, Atlanta. Quick, James. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm sorry. I got to ask, oh, man. You, you are – when's your Baker Mayfield jersey getting to your house? 
well, we're gonna we're gonna wait on that a few more games because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not... It's a full body suit with the the right sleeve sewn to the crotch area, the crotchal region. Yeah. They... All right. All right. All right. If you guys want to crown them, crown them. All right. I'm waiting a few more. Gladly. Games. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. But I am. I was very impressed, and uh, he put a smile on my face Thursday. I didn't think that would ever happen, so I'll give him wow. that. Wow. I'll give him that. Yeah. That's a victory. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy so far. So, anyways, the Saints of the Falcons, guys. Last two times they played in Atlanta, the last two seasons, it's ended in a 20 to 17 score. So, not a lot of points being scored in Atlanta the last two times these teams have played. Both of them normally have good offenses too. So that's something to watch here. They're both bottom third in scoring defense so far this year. I would say that I would I be comfortable playing any of the Saints in the passing game, at least the main ones, which is Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees. Those guys seem to be locked solid in your lineup. They seem to be steady producers every uh, every week. I don't think there's any matchup they would have that I would take those guys out. Against Atlanta, I think it's a pretty good matchup. I think, uh, I think all those guys should see some good time. Other than that, Ted Ginn Jr. is a guy who's still kind of producing. It looks like Traquan Smith's about to take on a larger role in the passing game. He started over Austin Carr last week. He did only see one catch, but looks like that they uh, in New Orleans are talking about getting him more involved. That's a sleeper pick this week. If you have Traquan Smith and you really need to start, I might look at him. Other than that, I would probably keep him on the bench, but I'd keep an eye on him to see how he does this week. As far as Atlanta goes, I think the passing offense should be uh, firing on all cylinders. Um, everything looks like it's a go. So Julio Jones should have a nice game. I think Matt Ryan's going to be in line for a decent, uh, decent production week this week as well. And as far as the running back position goes, man, I don't know what's going on with Devontae Freeman in that knee, but Tevin Coleman played really well last week. I would be willing to roll with Tevin Coleman again this week too. I think there's a lot of good fantasy production to be uh, put a lot of good fantasy production. That's going to be put up in this game on both sides of the ball. So I wouldn't be scared to play anybody on Atlanta or new Orleans, at least the bigger guys, um, that you're looking at. Calvin Ridley is another interesting name. Week one, he did not uh, get involved very much. Week two, he ended up with a big uh, touchdown. He was involved a whole lot more in the passing game. That's a guy who I'd be keeping an eye on, too. If his role continues to expand, that's a guy who, especially in redraft, may not be owned, might be a guy to go out and get. Broncos at the Ravens. Case Keenum really doesn't have as bad a matchup as it looks on paper here. Baltimore has allowed the ninth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks through the first two weeks, but that's padded by that week one gimme against Nate Peterman and the Bills. In week two, they held Andy Dalton to 235 yards, but let him throw four touchdowns. The Ravens offense also turned the ball over three times and gave Dalton a short field, which explains the touchdowns despite the low yardage. The Ravens are also missing top corner Jimmy Smith, and are likely without several starters, including C.J. Mosley and Michael Pierce. The problem is they're, they're just better quarterback matchups to, all over the place this week. Uh, Keenum's upside is around 250 yards and two touchdowns, but you also have to plan on an interception or two. I'd rather take a shot with Carson Wentz in his season debut, Blake Bortles in a good matchup, and of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick against those Steelers. Philip Lindsay and Emmanuel Sanders, I'm giving them both green lights. Without Pierce and Mosley, the Ravens are soft up the middle, and Lindsay should be able to exploit it. Sanders spends a lot of time in a slot where Tyler Boyd managed 
Six catches on nine targets for 91 yards and a touchdown. And Sanders doesn't have A.J. Green to compete with for targets. Lindsey over Marshawn Lynch, David Johnson, and Alex Collins. Sanders over Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, and Keenan Allen, believe it or not. He's a top 10 play this week for me. Joe Flacco, I'll take him over Keenum for sure. This isn't the same Denver pass defense we've grown accustomed to. They can rush the passer, but the secondary can be exploited. Michael Crabtree versus Bradley Roby or Pac-Man Jones. It's going to be a winnable matchup either way. The tight ends will run free all day. Running the ball won't be a great option, and the Ravens could find themselves in another shootout here, so start Flacco with confidence over Dak Prescott and Marcus Mariota. John Brown and Alex Collins, though, I'm giving them both red lights. Uh, we gave you, Travis gave you John Brown as a pickup uh, in uh, the first episode of the week for us, and I think that you might have a little bit of a window here because I'm looking for a down game from, from, uh, from John Brown. He likely draws Chris Harris, who's still one of the best shutdown corners in the sport. Alex Collins is already stuck in a committee with Buck Allen and now runs into the 10th best run defense against fantasy running backs, and Buck Allen is getting most of the goal line work. Austin Eckler, Latavius Murray are easily starts over Alex Collins and uh, Chris Godwin, Ted Ginn Jr., and Tyler Boyd. I'll take all of them over john brown wait 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 a Uh-oh. minute here wait a minute here did you just give travis a shout out for his john brown call and totally gloss over the fact that i dug deep in the dumpster last week and i pulled out a mark andrews touchdown and you didn't <laughs> did even you mention call, it you did didn't you even mention it i didn't even get any love on that you're kidding me right was that last Man. week mm, it i don't was last recall week that cincinnati you, wow. i don't yeah, recall and, that at all john no, do you recall go to the tape Go to the tape. I don't remember, I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, I'll take your word for it, but man, that just oh, seems man. like a I don't I, know I won't such a shot tape. in the dark that I don't know. Well, our, I don't know our, how our fourth you... stooge, Brian Har, is is gonna have my back because he actually shouted <laughs> me out on Twitter when it happened. So I, he'll he'll have my back. I already know it. He, he's no, got that me. was a good call, man. <laughs> all, right. all right, thank you. That's all I needed. Just a little bit of a little bit of a pat on the back, guys. That's all. All right. Well, you could have another. You, you could have another good week too. Yeah. Yeah, this, I I still think it's Nick Boyle, but uh, I mean, yeah, either either one of those tight ends, maybe even both <laughs> of them, get in the end zone. Nice. Oh. Okay. Next we have Packers at Redskins. This one has an over under of forty five and a half. The Packers are favored by three points, and for the Packers, you're basically starting everybody here except for maybe the running backs. That situation hasn't been great for fantasy thus far. And now we're adding Aaron Jones into the mix. And I just want to see it for a week. If you can afford to bench them, bench them. Um, in redraft leagues, I don't know how you guys feel, but I think Ty Montgomery is droppable at this point. Um, Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison are both decent flex plays for me. If I would have prepared properly and given these guys color-coded grades, they would probably be yellow. So that's pretty much it for for the Packers. You're, star- you're starting. I think it's safe to start. Jimmy Graham again, even though he's still pretty much, you know, touchdown or bust. But he did get eight targets last week, so that was encouraging. Um, For the Redskins, Alex Smith has a pretty decent matchup. He disappointed for fantasy big time last week in a good spot against Indy. 
because he didn't throw any touchdowns, but he did complete 71% of his passes. He threw for 292 yards. Um, so he, he's in a good spot again this week. The only other strong start on this offense, in my opinion, is Chris Thompson. I think he's a green light all the way. Uh, the wide receivers for, for Washington are great starts on paper in this great matchup against Green Bay, who's giving up the fifth most points to wide receivers through two weeks. But I don't know which one of those guys you're going to throw in there. I mean, it's a mess, and Alex Smith doesn't like to throw to wide receivers, apparently. So I guess Doxson and Richardson should be considered like risky flex plays with some upside, but I'm not excited to throw any of those guys in there. Um, Adrian Peterson is a sit for me this week, and James, I think, is going to talk more about that later. And Jordan Reed is, I think, a trap play this week. He's going up against this Green Bay defense, which is a bad, I mean, it's a good matchup in general, but they've been good against the tight end. Last season, they were fourth against the tight end, and this season, they're top 10 again. And we think it's a good matchup because Kyle Rudolph had seven catches for 72 yards, but two of those came in overtime. So without overtime, he would have had five for 53. And in week one, Green Bay held Trey Burton to one catch on six targets. So I think that there's a chance that Jordan Reed doesn't have a good game, but it's hard to sit Jordan Reed because that offense is pretty much Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson at this point. Very nice. Okay. Well, do you guys think Ty Montgomery's droppable? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I think I think I am too. He, I, the crazy thing is, it looks like when he does get the ball, he looks explosive. He looks like he, you know, he's a playmaker. They just don't get him involved at all. So, yeah. Um, I, I think with Aaron Jones coming back, it's going to be even harder to get him involved. So yeah, I, I think I'm game with that too. So guys, next I have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Carolina Panthers, and this game's really interesting because. On paper, it looks like – well, let's start with Cincinnati. It looks like Cincinnati is going against Carolina's defense, who is ranked 26th against the pass so far this year and 8th against the run. So Carolina's defense, it's pretty easy to see that if you're going to attack them, it looks like attack them through the air is the best, which means Andy Dalton and A.J. Green should have another nice game. There are some other weapons in the passing game, but I'm not too sure which ones are going to be consistent. So I'm giving Andy Dalton and A.J. Green the green-white. A.J. Green, green-white. Uh, to start this week and then as far as the other options go I'm going to give a couple of them a yellow light one of them is going to be Tyler Eifert we haven't seen a whole lot of consistency out of Eifert so far this year but it looks like on paper this is a decent matchup uh, against the Carolina Panthers John Ross is another guy it looks like he he seems to get in the end zone I mean he had one catch for five yards the other week so I mean he he seems to get in the end zone Um, he's not overly involved in the passing game but they seem like they want to get him involved, and this might be a matchup where Cincinnati's passing enough to where he gets some volume here, so that would be good. Giovanni Bernard is a guy who everyone seems to be high on this week, but it looks like Carolina's rush defense is actually pretty good. Gio Bernard is really good in the passing game, though, so he'll still be involved, so I would give him a yellow light as well. I think he'll be involved because of the Joe Mixon injury in both the passing and rushing attacks here, so he should have enough volume to be useful. As far as the Carolina Panthers go, they're playing the Cincinnati defense, which so far is third in the league against the pass and 30th against the run. So it's really clear on how you want to attack them. It looks like running the ball. So Christian McCaffrey gets a green light for me. Also, Cam Newton's going to get a green light for me. Cam Newton, not only can he beat you with his arm, but he can beat you with his legs. I think Cam Newton can have a bunch of rushing yards against his defense this week, and that's going to make him valuable. As far as the passing goes, there's not a lot of options, and I feel a whole... Uh, a whole lot of uh, love for in the passing game for the Carolina Panthers. 
I would definitely put a yellow light on um, Devin Funches. I might even make it a red light because I'm not sure that this is the week to play him. Cincinnati's pass defense has been good, especially against wide receiver ones and Devin Funches technically is that against Carolina. It looks like DJ Moore is going to get more involved. He did have one catch for a big touchdown there, and it looks like they're going to try to get him more involved, but three or four targets could be more involved than what he's been seeing. So I'm not sure what more involved means. I'm going to give him a red light too. I want to see one week of how they're actually going to use him. And there's really no other options in that attack that I really want to start. So to be honest with you, for Carolina, the only two guys I'm considering starting, I'm giving a green light to, and that is Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton, guys. The Colts are at the Eagles, and Andrew Luck, I'm going to talk a little bit more about him later, but for now I'm going to say proceed with extreme caution it's a tough matchup the bucks did put it on the eagles secondary but luck doesn't have nearly as much firepower as ryan fitzpatrick the bucks also did a lot of damage against the eagles by throwing deep down the field and luck still isn't taking those shots yet averaging just over five yards per completion fitzpatrick averages more than twice that so it's close for me, but I'd prefer Carson Wentz in his first game back to Andrew Luck against this defense with very little beyond T.Y. Hilton to game plan against. Jordan Wilkins in Naheem Hines. I'm giving a red light to Jordan Wilkins. This is a fourth stingiest defense against a run, and they're at an even greater advantage when the passing game has less credibility. Yellow light, though, on Naheem Hines. Uh, the Eagles can be beat by pass-catching running backs. They've given up four receptions uh, by two running backs in each of the last two weeks, totaling nearly 10 yards per reception. Naheem Hines will be on the field a lot as the Colts chase points and will serve as a safety valve for Andrew Luck. Carson Wentz, if you have better options like Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, or Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's give Wentz a week to knock the rust off. This is a plus matchup against a terrible group of corners, but Wentz hasn't played since early December. Plus, Mike Wallace is out. Alshon Jeffrey still isn't guaranteed to make his season debut yet. Aguilar, Ertz, and the running backs allow Wentz to ease back in with short and immediate pa intermediate passing, but without a field stretcher, Wentz has a difficult path to substantial fantasy points, even if the rust doesn't show. Corey Clement gets a green light with Jay Ajayi out. He's my start of the week, actually. The Eagles are going to lean on the running game in Wentz's first game back. And with the wide receiving core depleted by injuries, Darren Sproles is out too. So I'm giving Wendell Smallwood. I'm going to make him a uh, – he's a deep sleeper for me in PPR leagues. Start Clement over Matt Breda, Marshawn Lynch, and uh, Austin Eckler. Zach Ertz is a must-start, and if Jeffrey misses this game, Aguilar is a high-end wide receiver, too, on volume alone. And Kamar Aiken is actually a sneaky flex play as well. Nice. All right, next we have Bills at Vikings. <laughs> this game has an over-under of 40.5. The Vikings are favored by 16.5 point, points. That's the that's the largest spread I think I've ever seen. This one's pretty easy. Um the Bills, you don't start any Bills. It's as simple as that. Uh, I None of them. <laughs> especially, I mean, that's a, generally a good rule with this offense until we see something out of them, but especially against the Vikings. So for the Vikings, 
Um, Cousins, Thielen, Diggs, all extremely strong starts. My only concern there is that the Vikings just blow them out of the water and then they rest their starters for the second half. But that still means that they did something in the first half for fantasy. So we can't we can't bench these guys. Um, Dalvin Cook has been ruled out. So Latavius Murray needs to be started. I think he's legitimately got top 12 running back upside this week. Um, Kyle Rudolph is likely in your lineups, but his usage thus far has been pretty concerning and disappointing. But I mean, at this point, he's still a better start than, you know, Will Disley and Jesse James and all those guys. So that's pretty much it for the Bills and Vikings. Awesome. All right. So I have the Giants and the Texans here. And we're going to look at the Giants first off. Giants are playing the Texans, who so far in the year have the 21st strength pass defense and the 12th ranked rush defense. So it's interesting. The Giants passing offense has really struggled this year. I mean, I think that's putting it mildly. The Houston Texans. Their pass rush hasn't been what it was expected to be so far this year. So it'll be interesting to see what gives because the Giants offensive line, it's a turnstile. It's terrible. And Houston's pass rush hasn't been what it's supposed to be. I think Houston pass rush gets healthy this week. I'm not starting Eli Manning. I'm putting a yellow light on OBJ. And look, I know you drafted Odell Beckham and you have him on your team. He's one of the superstars of your team. You're probably not benching him, but proceed with caution. Don't expect a lot. Uh, this this Giants passing offense has been atrocious so far this year. They're playing in Houston. I, I don't love the matchup here. Um, I don't love the matchup here for any Giants. I'm also giving that same yellow light to Evan Ingram for the same reason. If you drafted him, tight end is not a position where you probably have another option you feel better about on your bench. I'm probably playing him, even though I'm tempering my expectations for him a little bit too. Saquon Barkley is the same. He's involved in the passing game. It looks like they force-fed him the ball against Dallas, just throwing him. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of balls just to keep them involved in the game plan because the running game wasn't working. The Houston rush defense so far, like I said, being 12th in the league has been pretty good. And that Giants offensive line has been terrible. So it's really hard to feel confident starting any Giants any week, especially this week against a team with a capable pass rush that hasn't shown up yet. This is the week that they might show up for the Houston Texans side of the ball. You look at the Giants, who have the 31st-ranked pass defense and the 4th-ranked rushing defense. So Lamar Miller is a guy who I'm giving a red light to. I'm not starting him. He's actually been decent and maybe startable for a couple weeks so far here, but I don't think this is a guy that I want to start at all. Same thing with Alfred Blue. I'm not starting either one. It seems like the way to beat the Giants is to throw the ball against him. Deshaun Watson, again, he has struggled this year. This might be the game that he gets healthy. I'm giving a green light to DeAndre Hopkins, a green light to Will Fuller, and a green light to Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson has a great matchup. I think this is the week that he breaks out of that shell and he shows why we were all so high on him in the offseason. So I am starting all those guys with confidence. Tight end position really is lacking for the Houston Texans. I'm probably not comfortable starting any of those guys. But at the receiver position, again, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller are guys that I would start. And I would not start any of the backs there for the Houston Texans guys. You're benching Lamar Miller? I am benching Lamar Miller. Absolutely. I think Lamar, I think Lamar Miller's fine. I think he's an RB2 pretty much every single week. He's actually been playing really well. He just hasn't scored yet. Right, right. But when you're wrong, um, next week I'd like an apology. Sounds good, man. <laughs> you probably won't get it, but I've been, I've been... – <laughs> Tennessee Titans travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. It could be Marcus Mariota starting. It could be Blaine Gabbert. Either way, bench him. Red light him. Nothing to like about this. 
either Mariota plays with an injured throwing elbow or he sits and Gabbert takes on this defense, currently fourth toughest against quarterbacks and easily the most talented pass defense in the league. Corey Davis is hobbled but likely playing. Richard Matthews is still playing hurt. Delaney Walker's out for the season. There aren't any healthy weapons against a defense that shuts down healthy passing attacks. Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, yellow lights for both of them, though slightly greener for Deion Lewis. Besides the entire passing game, the offensive line is also dinged up and aren't giving the backs much room to run between the tackles. The Achilles heel of the, of the Jags defense is stopping the run, though one long run by Saquon Barkley makes it look worse than it is. Lewis is a better start since he'll get targets in the passing game, which may be the Titans' best chance to move the ball, but I'd still prefer Sony Michelle or Rex Burkhead over Deion Lewis. You're hoping that Derrick Henry falls into the end zone. I'm actually going to red light him, come to think of it. Thank you. Because if that's the goal, I'd rather take a shot with Frank Gore, to be totally honest. I think Frank Gore is more likely to score a touchdown than Derrick Henry. That was going to be my issue with with this one was the yellow light on Derrick Henry, man. Yeah, and that's fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. Another... Travis, you always have an issue with the yellow light on Derrick Henry, though. <laughs> this, if it's yeah. not red in the you most, know, he, he was be supposed like... to be. He was supposed to be a good start last week. He was supposed to be. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think until further notice. I mean, you've got to at least proceed with caution. So, and uh, this is just this. The game script is just not in his favor this week. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put him on the bench. On the other side here, Blake Bortles. It's already a nice matchup. Tennessee is 20th against quarterbacks in fantasy so far. But there's an added boost if Leonard Fournette doesn't play. Blake Bortles averages 323 passing yards per game when Fournette sits, which it looks like he probably will in this game. If Fournette is out, green light Bortles to a point where you likely don't have two better options in a Superflex league. The only downside is this could be a blowout with Bortles turning and handing off late in the game, but I'm still starting him over Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Ben Roethlisberger on the road. I know you're also going to have an issue with that, Travis, but that's, <laughs> that's okay. I don't, I don't like Ben on the road. Keelan Cole, Dante Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook, green light for Cole as a low-end wide receiver two or flex play, which is really what you drafted him to be. Yellow lights on Moncrief and Westbrook. One of them is going to have a solid fantasy day, but good luck figuring out who it's going to be. They will also both see Malcolm Butler quite a bit as Cole moves around the formation. So he will he's going to face softer coverage throughout the game. I'll take Keelan Cole over Nelson Aguilar, Larry Fitzgerald, and even Kenny Galladay. And I'm only starting Moncrief or Westbrook if I'm truly desperate or in a super deep deep league with lots of wide receiver and flex spots. Fair enough, man. No ASJ this week? Nah, no thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next up we have 49ers at Chiefs. And this is a benefit of picking the games that I want to cover before you guys do because I got the I got the two highest scoring games of the week or what are supposed to be. <laughs> so this one has an over under of 56 points. It's the highest over under of the week. Really? And yep, the Chiefs are favored by six and a half. 
and they have the highest implied team total of the week with 31.25 points. So lots of scoring expected in this one. And I think that this is one of those stardom all games for both sides. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a solid start. I think this is finally the week that he put that that he gets all of us back in his good graces. Uh, it's a pristine matchup. Uh, so all systems go for for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Dante Pettis is a sneaky upside flex play this week. He only saw two targets uh, last week, but if Marquise Goodwin sits again, which he right now he's officially questionable he's a game time decision um so if marquis goodwin plays it takes the shine off of dante pettis for sure um but if he sits i think dante pettis is a decent flex play with some upside just because the matchup is so good and pierre garçon has been super disappointing he's only got six catches on the year um, but in this particular game i don't i don't love it but I think he's flexible. I, he would be yellow for me, barely. Maybe more of like a burnt orange. I think, yeah, we're going to go with burnt orange. Um, <laughs> George Kittle I, had a disappointing week two after his awesome week one, but I think that he should be in lineups this week. Uh, Matt Breda, he, I mean, he's he's the one we want here, and it's not Alfred Morris. The, the carry split's still pretty close. Alfred Morris is still actually leading in carries, but Breda has obviously done significantly more with his carries. He's also the clear pass catcher. So in this game that the 49ers are expected to be trailing, I think it's Breda all the way. I think Alfred Morris is a strong red light, and Breda, I think, is is green. And then for the Chiefs, I mean, you're starting every one of the main five guys here. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, I think, are all all big, fat, green lights, John. And James. We'll throw James in there, Love too. It. Hey, you <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> now I know who the big, fat, green lights are in that case. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Love it. All right, one more matchup before we break this up a little bit. And the Raiders are at the Dolphins. I'm going to try and get through this quickly, but surprisingly, there's kind of a lot to say here. So Derek Carr. This Miami defense has been one of the biggest surprises of the season thus far. They're third best against fantasy quarterbacks, sixth best against wide receivers, and fourth best against tight ends. The Raiders' offense has struggled so far, particularly at getting in the end zone. Carr threw his first and only touchdown pass of the season in the third quarter last week. I can't imagine starting Carr this week, or really any week until the touchdowns become more frequent. This particular matchup is going to be brutal. I'd rather take my chances with Eli Manning or Ryan Tannehill. The best way to attack the Miami defense has been on the ground, and Marshawn Lynch seems to be the only Raider with a map into the end zone. Without a credible passing game, his upside has been limited, though. He gets a yellow light based on volume and touchdown upside, but I'd rather start Matt Breda, Philip Lindsay, or Corey Clement. Jalen Richard may be the closest thing to a green light on the Raiders' side as a pass-catching back, going against a defense that has allowed the running backs to catch six passes for 40 yards and seven for 78 in a touchdown in each of the first two games, respectively. Richard is a high upside plug-and-play if you're missing guys like Devontae Freeman, Leonard Fournette, or Jay Ajayi. Ryan Tannehill. The Raiders held both Jared Goff and Case Keenum in check, keeping them both under 235 passing yards. 
Truth be told, they did that by allowing Todd Gurley and Philip R- Lindsay to run for over 100 yards each. So it's nothing that the Raiders do in pass protection. It's simply de-incentivizing the pass by being god-awful against the run. The Dolphins probably take full advantage of, as well in this game, allowing the backs and defense to grind out a low-scoring win. Tannehill is startable in deeper leagues because two touchdowns has been his floor and ceiling so far this season, but I'd prefer the yardage that Andy Dalton and Alex Smith can give you with the same touchdown upside. Kenyon Drake gets a green light against his sixth-worst defense against a run, and Frank Gore is even startable in a positive game script for the backs. I'm definitely starting Drake over Lamar Miller and Alex Collins, but I'll even go so far as to start him over Melvin Gordon. This matchup is just too juicy, and I'll start Gore over most other secondary backs who aren't in a true timeshare, and even give him the nod over Derrick Henry, Jordan Wilkins. Kenny Stills is the most startable wide receiver with a yellow light. He's a flex consideration, but I'd rather take a shot with Tyler Boyd or Philip Dorsett. Whew. All right. Let's get into some decision-making and uh, we're going to do the coach's corner this week, talking about a few players that we're going to be a little bit down on this week uh, because of the likely game plan um, against those particular players. So let's start with you, James. Talk about a player that uh, that if you're a defensive coordinator that you're game planning against. Well, I, I'm going to go with a guy who I think just the game flow, the game script is going to work against. I don't know that uh, the, the defense that he's playing is necessarily going to game plan for him. I just feel that the game script is going to call for usage uh, from a different player. So I'm going to start with Adrian Peterson. And my reason being is, look, I, I think Washington's going to have to going to have to score some points to keep up with the Green Bay Packers this week. I think Chris Thompson's a guy who's going to see more more. Uh, more of a workload. He's going to see more snaps, and Adrian Peterson will suffer consequently from that. I think when Green Bay is up 7-14, to 14, which I see happening, Chris Thompson's a guy who's going to be the pass catching back, who's going to be in more. I don't think Adrian Peterson ever gets a chance to get into a flow. When you watch AP normally, when he has success, it's when he gets to beat up on the defense. It's later in the game when the defense is wore down. I don't think he gets that opportunity in this game. I think he might be relevant for two quarters, but once the third quarter rolls around, Washington's probably going to be playing catch-up and in catch-up mode. And if they are, I think it's Chris Thompson that's going to get the workload instead of AP. So I'm fading AP for that reason. On paper, it doesn't look like a terrible matchup. Um, you know, They're at home. They're playing a Green Bay defense who is okay against the run at best. Um, so I guess you know the, the matchup would say that you could probably start him, but I think the game script's going to be different. I think Chris Thompson's the guy that I would want to start, and AP is the guy who I'm fading. Yeah, yeah, makes sense to me. What do you got, Travis? So this one, this one hurts me a little bit because Royce Freeman was my boy, um, but I'm going to go Royce Freeman. Uh, the the so basically his his usage thus far has been concerning to say the least. Obviously, Philip Lindsay is there. We didn't know he was going to be a factor preseason. Um, John might try to say he knew, but he didn't know. Um, I <laughs> I still Damn like it. Royce Freeman. <laughs> I still like Royce Freeman as a player, but the Broncos are going with the hot hand, right? And he is the cold hand right now. Um, and after Philip Lindsay had his breakout game in week one, he then went and out-touched Royce Freeman in week two, 15 to eight. Royce Freeman only got eight touches in week two which that, I mean, that ain't going to cut it. And now the Broncos are on the road in Baltimore 
and they're five and a half point underdogs. And Baltimore has allowed the second fewest points to fantasy running backs so far this season. So Royce Freeman is a part-time player. He's mostly between the tackles and he's in a bad matchup and they're underdogs and he's not the pass catcher. I think it should be pretty darn easy to find a better option than Royce Freeman this week. Yep, I believe so. You will never give me credit for anything, though, and uh, whatever. Never. Right. <laughs> I I like that, too, by the way. Not that anyone cares, but okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess, James, I guess James, too. I guess we'll throw James in there. I finally get a little bit of credit, and James has a glom onto it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I didn't want any of the credit. I just wanted to be involved in the conversation. If I remember oh, correctly, all. if I remember correctly, John, you were a big uh, D'Angelo Henderson fan, right? That was yeah. Until Philip Lindsay came along. <laughs> this is all subject to change just... when you when you get a talent like Philip Lindsay. Mm. All right, I'm a, He's I already... a rare talent. Yeah, exactly. All right, I, I talked a little bit about Andrew Luck already. So, but he's he's the guy that I'm going to talk about here in the coaching corner because Jordan Wilkins handles the rushing duties yet again with Marlon Mack out. And if I'm defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, I'm not spending a whole lot of brain power on Jordan Wilkins. So right off the bat, the Colts are pretty one-dimensional. Luck's adjusted yards per attempt is barely over five yards, and his longest pass of the season went for 26 yards. He's accurate and efficient, but he's still not taking those deep shots. So now one of his mid-range targets, Jack Doyle, is going to miss this game. If I'm Jim Schwartz, I'm taking away the underneath pass, cheat up with the safeties, and dare Andrew Luck to beat me deep. I don't know if Luck trusts the shoulder enough to take a lot of deep shots, even if that man coverage looks soft enough. And as your team as your team builds its lead, you can drop those safeties back into zone coverage when you know for a fact that the only thing left for the Colts to do is throw and throw for chunk yardage. So if Luck doesn't take his shots early, the Eagles can take away the deep ball late. And if he does take those shots early, how many of those does he have in his arm? I mentioned that I'm down on luck this week, and this is why. From a game-planning standpoint, this offense isn't dynamic enough at this point, and the directive is too simple. Dare luck to beat you deep. I heart that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I hate it, but it's it's kind of well, where I, we're at. I think it's the right call. That's that's all I'll say. I don't I don't love the fact that Andrew Luck's going to struggle, but I think it's yes, the right you call. do. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I. It's a good argument. I. I'm still starting Andrew Luck in most places. But I. I mean, unless I mean, I could. I could see starting. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick over him, or Blake Bortles, or something like that. If you've got a guy that is in a really good matchup, but that's, I don't. And that's part of it. There's some really good matchups this week. Yeah, especially from some guys who you could have got pretty late in your draft or even off of waivers. Yep, but he has, but he ha- he also has Eric Ebron. So, <laughs> I mean, he might just throw 250 yards and three touchdowns to Eric Ebron alone. I hate now that Jack now that Doyle's not Jack Doyle play. is out of the way. I oh, love it so God. much. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. So 
I mean, I feel for the guy. I hope Jack Doyle, you know, he's going to be fine. But yeah, he'll be fine. It's Eric Ebron week, baby. As a TY guy, I'm uh, I'm okay with it. I, I have lots of shares of TY, so I'm I'm good with Jack Doyle missing this week. There you go. Nice. Okay. <laughs> His five targets are going to go elsewhere. All right, let's jump back into the matchups, and uh, we'll start back with you, James. Next, I have the Chargers and the Rams. And on paper, this looks like it might be a tough matchup for both teams. But when I dug in a little bit deeper, I kind of got a different story. So, so far on the season, looking at the uh, the Chargers, first off, let's look at the Chargers offense. They're going against the Rams defense, who is 28th ranked against the run and 27th ranked against the pass. This defense has had kind of a bend-but-don't-break mentality. They've given up a lot of yardage, but really haven't given up a lot of scoring. But the Chargers are a team that can move the ball. So offensively, I tell you what, normally I would think against the Rams, you know, uh, the Rams having a home game here, I would say, hey, let's give Phillip Rivers the red light. But Roxanne, you don't have to give her the red light. I'm giving Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon <laughs> the green light. I tell you what, I'm giving them the green light. I'm giving Keenan Allen the green light, too. I'm ready to start these guys. I think they could have some production. The touchdowns might not be there, but I think the yardage will. And I, I still think Philip Rivers scores a touchdown or two. This might be the game that Melvin Gordon doesn't get that touchdown volume. And that'll be interesting to see his usage. Austin Eckler is another guy who I actually really like a lot in this one. I think a lot of points might be scored in this game. So I'm thinking that if that's the case, Austin Eckler might be on the field an awful lot as a pass catching back. So as far as that goes, those are the guys that I am definitely starting. Mike Williams is a guy I'm giving the yellow light to. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from him. But I don't know with uh, him taking on a cornerback that should be one of the top ones in the game, whether it's Aqib Tlaib or Marcus Peters, how he's going to fare. And Tyrell Williams is another guy I'll give the yellow light to. Um, tight end and this team has pretty much been non-productive. Antonio Gates or Ladarius um, Green haven't really produced at a high enough level to consider starting them. So I'm giving them a red-white. As for the Rams... They're going against a Chargers defense that is ranked 20th in the league so far in rushing defense and 19th in passing defense. Now, those numbers are skewed a little bit because they played a red-hot Kansas City Chiefs offense, but this Rams offense isn't too shabby either. So I definitely think points can be scored here. I'm giving Jared Goff a green white. I'm giving Todd Gurley the green white. I'm also giving Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup the green white. Um, outside of those guys, there's no real reliable options in that passing game Robert Woods I would give the yellow light to I don't know that he is a guy who you can count on consistently every week but this may be the week that you can get a score out of him I would give him a yellow light proceed with caution for him and then I'm going to give a red light to the tight ends on the Rams too Tyler Higby is a guy who scored a touchdown last week but I don't know if that's sustainable the usage for the tight end position whether it be Higby or Everett has been non-existent so I would stay away from those guys. But those are the guys that I would be playing. I think this game's going to have a whole lot more fantasy points than people think scored in it. So far, these defenses, which were highly ranked coming into the season, have definitely went up some yardage. So we'll we'll kind of see how that goes, guys. But I am I'm optimistic about the uh, the fantasy production that can be scored in this game. I think starting Keenan Allen is surprisingly kind of a hot take this week, James. Um, it's hard to sit him because he's definitely, you know, a stud, but the, I mean, it, it doesn't scare you that the Rams have limited all receivers through two weeks to 98 receiving yards. No, not really. And here's why is because 
they're not going to shadow. And and what that means is Aqib Tlaib isn't going to shadow him. And Keenan Allen has played against Marcus Peters when he was playing in Kansas City and had success against him. So I think that that's a matchup that they can go to and they can rely pretty heavily on past experiences. Um, Keenan Allen's very familiar with Marcus Peters. So I think they'll be okay. And the one thing I haven't seen from this Rams defense is the pass rush that we all thought would be there. Guys up front like Michael Brockers and uh, Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald haven't really gotten a consistent pass rush. So if that's the case against the Chargers, the Chargers are a really good team throwing the ball. Um, and Phillip Rivers has uh, has already come out of the gates blazing. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a difficult matchup for that Rams defense. But I guess we'll have to see. Um, and the, the, the last thing I'll say is that this home game for the Rams isn't really a home game for either team, I guess, because it's being played in L.A. So um, I would take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, too. So I... I'm, yeah, I, I would say I would start Keenan Allen and I would be pretty comfortable with it. That's interesting. I, I just gave Emmanuel Sanders over Keenan Allen and I stand by that part, but, um, it is, uh, it is good to hear that Keenan Allen is still startable because he, uh, he makes me nervous, but we'll see. You might be right. All right. So our next matchup is the bears at the Cardinals. This is going to make me cry a little bit, um, but the this is the lowest over-under of the week by two and a half points with 38. The Bears are road favorites by five and a half points. Oh. And Arizona has a, an implied team total of 16.25, which is the second lowest of the week, but it's still better than the Buffalo Bills' 12-point implied team total. So it's it's the little things, you know? We'll take the small victories <laughs> where we can get them. Um, so for the bears, it, this is a good matchup for Mitch Trubisky in super flex leagues. I could see starting him yet, but I don't want to, he hasn't done anything yet to warrant a fantasy start. Hopefully he's your QB three at best. And you don't have to start Trubisky. Allen Robinson gets a yellow light this week. Um, just because I think he's getting wide receiver one volume. He's clearly the lead pass catching option on this team. I just don't know how much they're going to have to throw the ball in this game. So that's the risk there with Allen Robinson. And he's only the wide receiver 31 through two weeks just because the Bears passing offense isn't all that great. Jordan Howard is the greenest of green lights. Um, he's an absolute must start this week. I think he's um, he's in for a ton of work as the Bears just kick the snot out of the Arizona Cardinals on the road, uh, the Cardinals allowed 161 rushing yards to Washington in week one, and then they allowed three rushing touchdowns to Todd Gurley in week two. And they're just going to be ahead, and Jordan Howard is going to get an insane amount of volume, I think. Uh, Trey Burton has been pretty disappointing. He's got just five catches on the season so far. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It might be pretty close to time to think about moving on from Trey Burton, but the Cardinals have allowed a touchdown to a tight end in two straight weeks. So he's not a horrible start, but he's definitely down in that same range as, um, you know, Will Disley and Ben Watson and those kind of guys at this point, he's just not getting the volume for the Cardinals. It's David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. And even those two guys aren't great starts right now with the way this offense looks. Um, it's incredibly difficult to consider benching David Johnson, but it needs to be in consideration, unfortunately, or he at least needs to be considered more of an RB2 at best until we see some signs of life out of the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald is obviously the only pass catcher there we're even considering. 
and he should see volume if the Cardinals can even stay on the field for any decent amount of time. Um, he's, I mean, he's only startable in PPR and he's like a wide receiver two, three option at this point. So pretty sad, sad days for the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't think I'm, I mean, the Ricky Seals Jones experiment, I don't think is going to pan out at, at least until we see something happen, maybe a quarterback change or something. Rosen. We want Rosen. We've, yeah. We've got we Darnold, we've got Baker. This you know, is the only thing that's missing right now. Josh Rosen. The sad the yeah, I agree. The sad part is though, with what Baker Mayfield just did, everybody's gonna expect or think that Josh Rosen can come in and just fix this team right. or he lead can. them or lead them he to can. a victory. He cannot. He, will. he cannot. He will. This team this team is a worse team overall than the Cleveland Browns. That's, and that's saying a lot. That's true. That's that's definitely true. But I, I've said all along, and I still maintain this, Josh Rosen actually gives you a chance to win where Sam Bradford just gets you through a game. <laughs> like, that's – it's Yeah, it's been, it's been incredibly sad and difficult to watch. <laughs> yeah. And, I, yeah, I mean, I got to give you credit on that one, John. I, I was expecting more out of Sam Bradford. But yeah. he is he is playing very He's very horrible. badly. Yeah, he's yeah. the Tyrod yeah. Taylor of the NFC so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe even worse. But I just think and, that I mean I just think with what Baker just did, man, people are going to have too high of expectations for Josh Rosen, and he's going to come yeah. back, and he's going to play, he's going to start in this bad offense, and he's not going to be. I don't. I mean, I just don't see it going that way. I don't think he's going to just come in and light a, a fire and and change the way this offense looks i don't think that the play calling has been good i don't think the scheming has been good i don't think that the offensive line is any good like there's just too many external factors josh i mean josh rosen's going to come in and he's probably going to look a heck of a lot better than sam bradford but i just think the expectations are going to be too high based on what baker mayfield did this week and he's going to disappoint and i don't know that's just my my feeling on it no i'm with you there i don't yeah I don't know if that's fair, though, because, I mean, Sam Darnold is 1-2, and two, and the past two games he hasn't looked great, but I don't think Jets fans are ready to throw him under the bus yet. I think they he understand that there's some patience. Good. No, yeah, I'm not, yeah, saying, and, I'm not and, saying that the Cardinals fans or, or the Card. I don't think that they're going to jump all over Josh Rosen. I think – I'm just saying from a fantasy perspective, I think people are going to expect that when Josh Rosen comes in, he's going to make all these weapons viable – and I don't know that that's the case. I mean, he might bring life back to Larry Fitzgerald and maybe the maybe Mike McCoy starts doing something different. And David Johnson, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's going to be like this big explosion of like, oh, my gosh, this offense is fixed now and we can start all these guys, you know, without question. And, I, you know, I think it's more of a fantasy perspective. Like, I think that Josh Rosen has a pretty long leash as the Cardinals quarterback. I don't think that's the issue. I just think as far as expecting him to come in and fix this offense for fantasy i think that might be a lofty expectation uh, yeah. i don't know man i've got those lofty expectations i'll tell you that much <laughs> i i mean i dude i hope you're right <laughs> yeah i'm somewhere in the middle i mean I, I i'm with you i don't think that he bursts onto the scene the way baker mayfield just did but i yeah i do think that he makes Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson far more viable than they are now. I think Ricky Seals Jones finally has the breakout. I, I I just think that he's he's far more dynamic, and it's because of the ability to move around 
that Sam, which Sam Bradford can't really do. And just, it's all just a matter of taking some shots. Josh Rosen's going to take some shots down the field where Sam Bradford wants to dink and dunk because uh, he doesn't want to throw interceptions. And it's like, you're, you're not going to make any actual progress doing that. But I don't know. It uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see, and I'm ready for it. I'm ready for Josh Rosen, and that, that's kind of the missing piece from this fantasy season right now. Now that Baker Mayfield's in there, but let me get to the Cowboys and the Seahawks. The Cowboys are at the Seahawks here. Dak Prescott. It's not a bad matchup against the 16th best defense for against quarterbacks, but the Dallas offense just simply can't be trusted. Dak. Only has one passing touchdown on the season. He hasn't surpassed 170 passing yards in a game this season. And he has failed to surpass 200 passing yards in nine of his last 12 games, dating back to 2017. In week 16 of last year, Dak got a far worse Seattle defense at home with more competent wide receivers and still managed only 182 passing yards no touchdowns, and two interceptions. Find a way to bench him. I'd rather start Ryan Tannehill or Joe Flacco. Ezekiel Elliott is an every-week green light, and everyone else on the offense is a red light. Cole Beasley could get enough catches to justify a flex start in PPR, but it's such a gamble that you likely have better options on waivers. Guys like Wendell Smallwood, Mike Boone, Ryan Grant, and Dante Pettis all have higher floors than Cole Beasley on the Seattle side Russell Wilson still no Doug Baldwin so his top targets are Tyler Lockett and for no apparent reason Will Disley it's it's not a bad matchup for a fantasy quarterback Dallas is 15th against quarterbacks so Wilson is startable even without credible weapons the main knock I have against Russell Wilson is that there are better matchups out there but Wilson could easily get to 250 yards and two touchdowns. I'd just rather take the upside of Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Fitzpatrick in three potential shootouts. I'll still take Wilson over Luck or Wentz this week, though. And then red lights on the running backs. Chris Carson is averaging almost six yards per carry. Rashad Penny is averaging just over two yards per carry. Yet Pete Carroll gave them equal touches in week one and actually favored Penny by four carries and one target in week two because Chris Carson supposedly gassed out on special teams. I have no idea why your best running back is playing special teams. But I think that the carries are slanted the other way this week. But since I can't guarantee that, and it's a defense that shut that shut Saquano 1 down, I'm staying away from both backs until they give up on the idea that Penny needs carries and Carson needs to cover punts. I'll also wait for that decision to coincide with better matchups. Both Tennessee backs, actually, yeah, both. I'll take Derrick Henry over these guys too. Both Denver backs, both Miami backs, Austin Eckler, on Johnson. I'm taking all those guys over the Seattle backs. Nice. Okay. Well, what about Brandon Marshall? Uh, yeah, I don't. What's a What's up, Brandon Marshall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes and goes too. <laughs> yep, he's there. Yep, he's, he's, he's still there. Still Sounds like he's gonna play. <laughs> I think he's flexible in PPR. Uh, but is maybe. he super flexible? 
Oh, no, you're not going to start him over a quarterback. No, Definitely no. not. See? Get that garbage out of here, Brandon Marshall. All right. So the next game, guys, I got is the Patriots and the Lions. This is the Sunday night affair. This this should be a really fun game to watch. Matt Patricia going against, uh, you know, his uh, – his master, Bill Belichick. So this should be a fun one. Uh, let's start with the Lions. They're facing New England. New England so far in the year is sixth in rushing defense, tenth in passing defense. So New England's defense has actually been pretty good this year so far. The Lions, though, I mean, come on. We know who the Lions are. I'm sorry, carry on. I like your talent. Apparently Detroit just wants to to be gunslingers and throw the ball over the field. And they're probably going to have to to keep up in this one. So I, I'm I'm benching Carryon Johnson. He's got a. I, I'm going to use Travis's burnt orange color because it's it's more than a yellow. I I would bench him <laughs> if I could. I'm only starting him in dire if I'm in dire need to start a running back at that point. I'll I'll start Carryon. But other than that, I'm not starting him. The the main thing you're hoping for there is he vultures a short yardage touchdown. But uh, the Lions are going to throw the ball and Matthew Stafford gets a, a green light for me. He's going to have a bunch of attempts. He's probably going to put up a good amount of yardage. I just don't know how much they score. And then the wide receivers, the wide receiver one in Detroit, Kenny Galladay is a green light for me. He should see a plenty of opportunity. So should Golden Tate. He's a green light. Marvin Jones to me is a yellow light. He's still seeing the opportunities. There's still no tight end there. Their three wide receivers are viable in that passing op- offense right now. But Marvin Jones is definitely the third of the three. So if there's one that's going to get faded out, I think it's him. So that's kind of where I'm at for Detroit. Um, As far as the tight end position goes, they really haven't committed to a tight end. Michael Roberts caught a touchdown, but I think it was his only reception last week. I think it was one for 15 in the touchdown. It was a heck of a catch, too. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it was a a very impressive reception. But it was it was his only reception. So um, I'm not going uh, not comfortable starting any Lions tight ends. Then we go to New England. We look at the New England side of it. The Detroit Lions are first in the league against the run right now defensively. Obviously, it's only through two games, but it's definitely a nice indicating factor. But they're 29th against the pass, which means the way to beat the Detroit Lions right now is by putting the ball in the air. I think New England has no problem doing that either. Tom Brady, obviously a green light, and he's my no-brainer start of the week uh, going against his passing defense and an offense that could put up some points. I think he has enough passing volume and an easy enough defense to bounce back after a tough matchup against Jacksonville. I think he's out to prove a point, and I think New England scores early and often in this one. I think Tom Brady's the main beneficiary of that. Rob Gronkowski is another green light. Obviously, you're always starting him. He had a rough week, but he does not have back-to-back rough weeks, guys. It just doesn't happen. Hasn't happened for, I think, three years as he had uh, two really bad uh, weeks back-to-back. So I expect a nice uh, bounce back from Rob Gronkowski. Josh Gordon, we don't even know if he's going to play for sure yet. I believe he will, but I think he's going to be severely limited. This is not the week I want to play him. If you're going to play him, wait a couple weeks, let him get his adjusted to this offense, and then go ahead and play him. I don't know that this is the week that I'm comfortable putting him in my lineup and banking on him having chemistry with Tom Brady right away. I will, however, say that Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett are both yellow lights. I think this passing game is going to be It's going to be good. I just don't know who's going to be the main beneficiaries outside of Gronk. It could be either of those two. It could be Cordero Patterson, who is a red light for me, but he's a little bit more of a longer shot. We haven't really seen him involved as much as the other two so far. So I would say that uh, those those two guys, I would start over him. And James White, to me, is a green light. I think James White's going to get a... uh, 
a significant amount of work in the passing game. This is not a not a game where you want to use Sony Michelle a lot with Detroit being able to stop the run as well as they have. So I think James White, the pass catching back there, is really going to have an expanded role. I like him this week against Detroit. I think he has uh, six to seven receptions and maybe even a score there. So uh, he is a green light for me as well. I would be starting him too. All right. The last matchup of the week is Monday Night Football Steelers at Buccaneers. And this one has the second highest over under the week over under of the week with 54 and a half points. The Steelers are favored by 1.5 points. So it's supposed to be pretty close, pretty high flying game. And that's I mean, if you even without looking at those, you can just look at these two teams right now and guess that that was going to be the case. Um, wait a minute. Wait so, a minute. Wait a minute. Real quick. I, I'm sorry. So Pittsburgh is on the road. They're all one and one. Tampa Bay is 2-0 and with wins over the Saints and the Eagles, and Pittsburgh is favored? By one and a half points, yep. Oh, man, that is insane. Talk about getting disrespect <laughs> to Tampa. Man. Yep. It's because nobody buys in, man. It's it's wow. hard to buy in to Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> is it really? Because I, I found it pretty easy to buy into him so I mean, far. It's, it's hard to buy into this type of the, the, what they've been doing being any sort of sustainable. I think that's where people are coming from. I don't know, man, that Pittsburgh defense is hot you garbage, could, but I'll, I'll let it's you true. review it. It's true. This, this is your game. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, man. <laughs> but if you're right though, if right, I mean, if this team didn't play the way that they did the last two weeks, Pittsburgh would be favored by 15. Yeah. So, okay. well, I mean, they're getting, yeah. they're getting some respect there. I bet you if Jameis Winston started the year, they'd be favored by, or they'd be 15-point underdogs. Um, anyways, so it's shaping up to be a fun game. Big Ben is on the road, and I don't care. Right, right? Nice. Don't, don't, don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, so Big Ben and Ryan Fitzpatrick, both coming off of huge games. They both have great matchups. Both of them are huge, fat, green lights. James, that one's for you. And I think they're both top 10 starts this week. Uh, the rest of the Steelers players, you're obviously starting the main guys. Brown, James Conner, and Juju are all solid starts. And I think even James Washington has a shot at a good game if you're desperate for a flex play. Um, Vance McDonald is – I think I think Vance McDonald is a sneaky tight end start this week. Jesse James is the big story and the big waiver wire guy after putting up five catches for 138 yards and a touchdown in week two, which is absolutely nuts. But Vance McDonald matched him in targets. They both had five targets. It was his first week back from injury. And they've been talking for months now about how they want to get Vance McDonald more involved. So I think that his role only increases. I think he's the better pass-catching tight end of the two. I think he's the more dynamic player. So I think Vance McDonald might start to, to take more of that tight end workload uh, his direction. So I think he's a sneaky start and uh, let's see, where was I at? Okay. So the, so for the Buccaneers, I already, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're starting him. Deshaun Jackson is playing at an unsustainable rate right now. Uh, he's got 30.7 yards per reception and a 100% catch rate. So, I mean, that's obviously insane and that's not going to continue, but he's definitely still in starting consideration for at least one more week because of this matchup and because of the way that they've been playing and because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think Deshaun Jackson gets a, like a, like a neon green, like a mix between 
green and yellow. I think he's right in there. Uh, Chris Godwin, I think, is a deep PPR flex play as well. I, I don't, I mean, that's obviously a risky move, but I think that this is just going to be a high scoring game. And I think Chris Godwin is actually out snapping and out targeting Deshaun Jackson right now. He's just not doing as much with it. Uh, and then as far as the backfield goes, we can't start Peyton Barber after what we've seen from him thus far. Um, even in a game where there's this much scoring, plus they're going to be throwing all the all over the place. And O.J. Howard, I think, is a trap play. I think, I mean, he's got, the only reason we're talking about O.J. Howard is because he had that 70-yard touch, 75-yard touchdown run on that broken play. Other than that, he's got five total catches, six total targets, and five total catches through two games. So if it wasn't for that 175-yard touchdown, we wouldn't even be considering O.J. Howard. And now everybody's telling everybody to start O.J. Howard this week, and I don't think that's a good idea. So that's it for the Steelers and Buccaneers. And there's your week three matchups. So we're going to wrap it up there. And as we do, ask you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And rate and review, if you would, as well, if you're listening on iTunes. Uh, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to more people, and involve more people in the conversation, and really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including the Superflex Super Show. And check out Travis's solo podcast if you haven't already. It's a Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show. He's going five days a week in 30 minutes or less per episode. And uh, so you're getting manageable quantities of advice and analysis without sacrificing quality. And you can send us your trades on Twitter, at SuperFlexShow. We can help to retweet them, get you more votes and comments. And sometimes we even analyze them right here on the podcast. While you're at it, follow Travis on Twitter. He's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, good luck in week three. Stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. Bye.